Welcome to the Big Band and Swing Podcast, brought to you by SwingCityRadio.com. That was Cootie Williams with Let's Toot, and that was from a recorded performance on Jubilee. It's a great song, great song. So welcome to the Big Band and Swing Podcast, everybody. I'm your host, Ronaldo, and this uh, special episode is going to be a departure, if you will, a different format than our uh, normal podcast. Usually I let the music do the bulk of the talking, but in this episode, I'm going to, I'm going to talk a bit more. Don't worry, I'm going to sprinkle in some music, but I wanted to finally answer a question that some of you have asked over the last few months. 
that question being, uh, Ronaldo, how did you get into big band music? Well, honestly, there's a bit of a story that goes into answering that, and that's what I'm going to cover in this special episode. <laughs> but first, before we get into this little story, I want to remind you to listen to Swing City Radio. If you enjoy listening to music of, uh, of the big bands, then you will love, love Swing City Radio. We play your big band and swing favorites from the 1930s, 40s, and today. Also, don't forget to subscribe to, uh, to this fine podcast. And be sure to leave me your reviews and comments. I, I really do truly appreciate them. So, how did I get an, uh, interested in big band music? Well, I've asked that same question of other people over the years, and the answers that I've usually gotten from people were they had a parent or a grandparent that was a huge fan of the music. Um, they would hear a lot of it growing up, and it just became a part of them over time. Now when they hear some great swing song, it, it generates some, some really nice memories of spending time with that loved one. Um, and... Uh, Maybe that's how you came to love this type of music. Another reason I've heard over the years is an almost nostalgic yearning for more simpler times. Like the, the good old days. And I, I understand that. Um, I do feel that uh, the bulk of this music was born out of very turbulent times. I mean, World War II, racial segregation, all that. But, but I get what they're saying. I mean, compared to... Uh, distorted guitars, drum machines, synthesizers, and the overall digital sound found in today's music, big band music could almost sound innocent, simpler, and, and wholesome. Um, the music wasn't that way at all. It was very complex, and uh, those, those musicians were incredibly talented. But, but I can understand the viewpoint. Well, I can tell you that my reasons are a bit different. I didn't grow up with any big band uh, playing in my family's house. My, my, my father likes the music, but I can't recall him ever listening to it when I was younger. Now, my mom, she's, she's the big music fan of the family, and that, that's primarily where I got my love of music. But she wasn't a big band fan at all. I mean, she's still not a fan. Uh, but she loves all types of music, pop, rock, country, just everything. I think everything but big band. I'm working on her, though. Um, and, and hey, to each their own. Uh, her father, my pop-op, was a big band fan, though. But again, I, I rarely heard him playing it. And uh, as I got older, I, regret, I regrettably never really discussed it with him before he passed away. So I missed out on that. Um, honestly, I kind of fell into big band music by accident. When I was, I guess it was, yeah, when I was 18, I got a job at a local record store. Um, and it didn't matter that it was minimum wage and just part-time. I was just around music. And I, I, I love that job. Um, and, uh, to put it into a frame of reference, it was in the late eighties and, uh, Vinyl was being faded out, and CDs started to take over. And uh, but remember, back then, even as big as CDs were, cassettes were still a huge seller because you could play them in your car, all that fun stuff. So one of my jobs there 
was keeping the jazz, big band, and easy listening cassettes organized and alphabetized. I, I was the newbie of the staff, so I, I'm the one that got stuck with it. You know, all the other people were doing uh, the, the the rock sections and the rap sections and all that kind of stuff. And I, of course, being the new guy on the staff, got stuck with the uh, jazz, big band, and easy listening cassettes. I think I was doing like international too. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, so when you're constantly organizing and poking around, you know, things start to stick. And I spent a lot of time in that, that jazz and big band section. And like I said, names started to stick. Like Glenn Miller's name started to stand out. I even, I even bought a Glenn Miller cassette and, uh, and I also bought some collections from uh, like on vinyl from the discount bin or, um, on cassette, they, they actually, believe it or not, they actually helped me sleep at night. They relaxed me. So I was working there for a few months and started getting more hours and started to work some mornings. Well, one morning I was up at the front counter and this, this older couple approached the, the store and, uh, this older guy just threw up his hands and said to his wife, yeah, I'll meet you on the bench. And he grumbled something and came into the store. Uh, I think I think he was wearing. Yeah, he always wore it. He, he was wearing this like one of those baseball caps that, like that, that the veterans wear. Um, I don't know if it's, it talks about their unit or maybe a reunion or something like that. But one of those caps. I asked them, you know, if he was looking for anything, and he said, "I know where I'm going," and he walked back to the big band section of the cassette wall. Well, 18-year-old Ronaldo was much different than 50-year-old Ronaldo. <laughs> as, as I got older, I've learned to leave like angry people alone. But 18-year-old Ronaldo hadn't learned that yet. So after a while, I went back to talk to him, uh, of course. <laughs> I asked him if I could uh, help him find anything. And he took a long look at me and he said, I don't think you can help me at all. <laughs> I, well, and in his defense, let, let me let me explain how I looked back then. Back then, I had man, eighteen. I don't know if I still had the orange hair, but I think at that point I had uh, like shoulder length uh, uh, blonde hair, and it was spiked everywhere. It was the eighties, and I was in. I think I was even in a. Uh, an alternative punk band at that point, but I, I was I was still playing out in bands and everything, so I was keeping that look. And of course, I was working in that record store, so eighties um, were much different. I mean, you look back, you know, when we look back at pictures of you know some of the cliche eighty photos, eighties photos. Um, yeah, I was one of those, and uh, it makes me laugh a lot. But but anyway, so that's what he saw standing there. So I don't really hold it against him when he says like I don't think you can help me at all, um, because this guy was I would say like in his mid sixties or so, and I'm I'm I was some eighteen year old punk kid. So well, I told him I was in charge of keeping the section organized, and um, I also told I, I threw him a bone there. I was, I was like. Sounds like you know a lot about big band music. Maybe you can point out some great ones to listen to. And he stared at me for a few uh, few seconds and just, just looked at me right in the eyes and said, Why? 
<laughs> and I, I, man, I, I laughed out loud. And it wasn't like LOL. I mean, I literally laughed out loud and just threw like my hands up to surrender and said, oh, okay, fine. And, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll leave you alone. Well, I turned around to go back to the counter and then I, 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 I heard his voice and it, it wasn't loud. It was, he said, ever hear of Glenn Miller? Well, luckily he picked one of the only artists I knew from big band because I bought that cassette and, you know, I turned and said, yeah, he, he, he did uh, in the mood in Kalamazoo. You know, I was all proud of myself because I, I knew some of the names and he smiled and said, Oh, everyone knows those. So I said, well, tell me more. So for the next half hour or so, he, he told me about some great Glenn Miller music to listen to and, and really some other stuff and uh, about big band music and his, his wife then came into the store and asked why he wasn't out on the bench. And he said to her like that, that I wouldn't leave him alone, that, that it was my fault. Of course I laughed and I told her, I was, I told her, I was like, it was about time that you came. This guy wouldn't shut up. And that, that, that actually made him laugh. And well, they left. And that weekend I found myself at a flea market buying a few things that he recommended. And, uh, I liked it. <laughs> well, actually, this is a good place to uh, play a song and for me to take a little bit of a break, uh, give me a chance to refill my coffee and continue with this little story. Um, hope you're enjoying this. Uh, I'll wrap it up in the next segment. You're listening to the Big Band and Swing Podcast. Thank you. 
was Glenn Miller with Little Brown Jug uh, with his overseas orchestra when he was with the Armed Forces. And I am telling the story of how I became a fan of big band music. Roy, the gentleman I was talking about in the first segment, that was his name I later found out, was a huge, huge fan of Glenn Miller. So I thought it uh, appropriate to, to, to play some. So uh, I left off on how I met Roy the first time. Well, a month later, he came into the store again. I just, I just happened to be working. Well, let me back it up for a second. I worked in a record store that was located in a, in a large regional mall. It's King of Prussia. It's one of the largest malls in the United States. And what would happen is sometimes like surrounding towns, like, you know, half hour away or so, uh, back in the late 80s, they'd set up these bus trips for senior citizens or whatever. So once a month or so, they'd uh, come down and do their shopping and all, all that fun stuff. Well, like I said, a month later, he came walking into the store again, and I said, hey there. And, uh, you know, he looked at me and said, oh, I, 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 I didn't think you would remember me. <laughs> uh, and I told him, no, I, of course I remembered him, and I actually went out and picked up some of the records he talked about. And he was like, really? And, and that's where our friendship began. At that point, that's where he told me that his wife would drag him to the mall the first Tuesday of every month to take that bus trip down. And he said he hated it. Um, and honestly, I mean, he was, if you, if, if you didn't know him, he, he came off like a bitter old man. There's no other way of putting it. And I mean, he had a really hard shell. You could tell that he did not like going to the mall, <laughs> but under that shell of not, wanting to be there it seemed like he was kind of like making the best of it and i was one of those ways of making the best of it but man we talked about some we talked about some great music i mean he knew his stuff and he would go on about benny goodman you know Artie shaw gene krupa i mean he was he was as much as he loved glenn miller he loved uh, gene krupa he loved the drums he would tell me all about just the concerts and, and everything. Well, his wife then came by and said, it, it's time to go. And, you know, of course, he called her a drill sergeant. <laughs> he always called her a drill sergeant. Um, so from from there on out, I made sure I was, I was always scheduled the first Tuesday of the month. So for the next year or so, he'd, he'd come by that first Tuesday of every month, just usually in the morning around like 1030, 11 o'clock. And he would tell me stories about how he saw Glenn Miller live and the other bands live and all the dancing and the fun and the drinking and uh, the hijinks, if you will. Um, he, even, he even told me he met his wife at one of the concerts. So, um, well, as time went on, I eventually became the manager of that store, um, which worked out great because... Um, over the year or so, you know, he'd, he'd get tired while we'd be standing there at the cassette wall or leaning on the counter. I'd have him just come in, come in the back room and, and sit down. Um, back then in malls, it was a little bit different. Um, he, he would sneak cigarettes because his wife hated that, you know, he, he would, that he would smoke. And so we'd sit back there and uh, sneak some cigarettes, like two kids. I mean, this is so 
some guy that's almost 70 and some 18-year-old sneaking cigarettes. It's kind of funny to talk about today, but our talks were always about big band music and everything, but as time went on, he started opening up about um, other things, more personal things, like his time in World War II. Um, he actually had a chance to uh, see Glenn Miller while he was stationed in England when, uh, when uh, Glenn had joined the armed forces. He, he told me that he was in the second wave on, uh, on D-Day, um, and he got quite open about the war and the things he saw. I mean, he told me about, about some of the battles, ne never glorifying it. Um, just He had a way of just factually talking about things. One thing that stuck with me wasn't necessarily like battle-related or anything. It was about meeting his second child for the first time. Before he, um, I, I, I guess his, his wife was pregnant right before he, uh, before he left for, uh, for Europe. So she had his second child when he was overseas fighting. And he explained to me that that awkward first dinner when he was home and he's sitting there looking at the, he's sitting at the dinner table and he's, he's looking at these people, two of which he haven't, hasn't seen in, in a few years and one that he's never met. And this is his family. It, it, that always stuck with me. That, that image always stuck with me. Um, when we think about, you know, veterans, we, you know, we think of the battlefields and everything, but we don't think of the, the, the minefield almost, if you will, that's waiting for them at home just to, to readjust and everything. Um, we had a great rapport with each other. He really opened up with me. In fact, the first time that his wife wheeled him in, in his wheelchair, you know, I said, I said, Hey, what's up with the new ride? And I, I wish I wish I could remember everything that we talked about, uh, but it's been thirty years, and uh, he he really started me on listening to big band music. Well, he came in, um, I guess it was nineteen ninety or so. He came in shortly after New Year's, and I felt I felt bad because he he came in the month before, but that was Christmas, and you, anyone that's worked in retail understands the Christmas rush. So I, you know, I, I did take about five minutes or so to talk to him, but I, I could see that he was a little disappointed. He totally understood, but um, I knew he was kind of, you know, I could tell that he was kind of looking forward to it. But this time I had time, you know, when he came in shortly after New Year and we, we sat in the back. I asked how he was feeling. He said he said he was okay. I, I didn't really believe, believe him. He had this ashen look to him like a real ashy look. It's, it's hard to explain, but when you see it, you know it. Um, and I didn't push him on it. Like I said, I know better not to push Roy. He had this brown craft shopping bag. You know, of course, I had to tease him and get a shot in on him and saying, uh, what, is his, is his wife packing his lunch now? And uh, he said something at me about get my hair cut or, or something like that. Um, he used to always tease me about my earring, too. I, he, he, he would constantly tease me about that. Anyway. So we talked more, and this time he he was more serious, and he he I mean he brought up like a couple things that he had never really discussed. Uh, he brought up about not being close with his with his sons. It was it was it, it was a different tone this time. It was a great conversation. I I, I remember him turning me on to a few cool big band records, but um, it, there was a, just a different tone to it. When his wife came in, I, I heard his wife ask him why he didn't give me the bag. 
and he, he said, I didn't want to. Stop treating me like a child. And, you know, I hear him bickering as, as she wheeled him out of the store. And, of course, I laughed to myself going, oh, he is just one in a million. Well, the next month, he, he didn't show up. And, you know, I saw that where the store was situated. You couldn't see if the bus pulled up or anything like that. You would just see this, you know, 60 people and some of them in wheelchairs or whatever, just kind of coming in at the same time. So you just knew it was that bus. Um, he didn't show up. And I, I didn't, honestly, I didn't really think much of it because there was, there was like maybe one or two instances before where, say they had a doctor's appointment, he, you know, they, one of them had a doctor's appointment or whatever, and they couldn't, you know, you know, it's, they, they couldn't reschedule it. Um, but then uh, the following month, I was, uh, I was doing some inventory, you know, sitting there holding my clipboard and looking under bins and um, doing product pulls and all that. And uh, I just happened to kind of, uh, I still remember, I was like on my back trying to get under this one bin and looking at our uh, overstock. And I, I looked up and I saw Roy's wife and I said, like, hey, you know, so, you know, I kind of, you know, just got up and I was like, so uh, I, was, I was wondering if Roy finally got sick of me, you know, just joking because she knew my humor. She was around enough and she'd be, you know, she'd be standing there for the tail ends of our, a lot of our conversations. Well, you know, she looked at me and she told me that uh, he had passed away a few days after the last time I saw him. And he, you know, he passed away from cancer. Not going to get dramatic, but it hurt. Um, it, 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 it was tough. Um, I mean, I never even knew this guy's last name. But, you know, after, you know, seeing him every month for the course of two years and just talking, I, I, I never knew that. You know, I would be able to connect with someone that was like, you know, 40, 50 years older than me that wasn't related to me. Well, she handed me this this bag and she said, Roy wanted you to have this. And it was that bag that was sitting on his lap the last time we had talked. And um, he she said like he was going to give it to me but when i had asked about um when i mentioned a few times that he didn't you know that if, if if everything was okay he didn't want to he didn't want to worry me which i mean that that's that's the way he was so i opened up the bag and it was this glenn miller collection that he mentioned a few times in fact i still have it in fact it's sitting right here in front of me it was 50 never-before-released original performances by Glenn Miller and his orchestra. He he talked, like I said, he he mentioned this about three times or so. And um, I even told him that I was looking for it, but I, I could just never find it. Um, and he, 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 he said it was one of his favorites. And uh, I looked at her and I said, I, I, I don't know what to say. And she put her put her hand on my shoulder and told me like that, um, like I said, Roy was going to give it to me, then decided not to. She said that she he thought that I would worry about him, and then she started talking about how Roy hated to go to the mall, and um, actually was a little bit deeper than that. Is that unfortunately Roy rarely left the house and. He was, I guess, as he was getting more and more ill, he was isolating more and more over time. Um, he was always a private man, 
she said, but but he wasn't really talking to anyone anymore, really in, including her. Like there, she said that their conversations had pretty much gone down to nothing. Um, and on top of that, he didn't have a good relationship with his sons. Um, so they didn't come around or reach out to him. And that's when, uh, you know, I, I think back at our last conversation, how he kept on bringing up his sons. Um, she told me that our visits were one of the few things that he would actually look forward to. And that, you know, he, he would all, he would say like on the bus ride down, like, Hey, I'm looking forward to talking to the kid. Um, and she told me that those bus trips down to the mall were, were, were like the few times that he actually seemed happy and talkative. And I, I, I hugged her and I asked how she was doing. And she said that she was coping and they were um, expecting it. So she was prepared. And she said, thank you so much for, for everything. And I said, there's, there's no need to thank me. I, I, I'm actually, I, I'm really going to miss him. Um, so that was, that, that was an interesting one. So I took that record home. I had just moved into my first house at that time. And I remember going home that night and I listened to that album and I had a, uh, couple of adult beverages as I listened. And, uh, so since that time that I listened to more and more and more big band. Um, and as I listened some of his stories would come back to me. I mean, he pretty much laid down the foundation for my love of that music. Um, never knew his last name. I never saw his wife again after that, but I always remember that. And it's funny because it, it's not like, you know, by 23, I was um, this huge, massive, big band fan. It, it, it took years to, to develop, but it, it's funny. I... I tried to think back at some of the some of the the stories that he would tell, and things don't come to mind. They actually just kind of appear when I put on a, a big band record or something. I'll go, "Oh wait, that's right. Roy told me about this performance, or Roy said something like that, or he saw him at the, at this dance hall." Um, so that was the foundation, and so there it is. That's how I got into big band music. Well. I, I, I want to thank you for letting me share you this story. I'm going to share this story with you. Um, and I really appreciate all of you listening to the Big Band and Swing podcast. And uh, I promise we will get back to the more traditional format next time. And like I said, I, li I like to let the music do the talking. So thank you for letting me talk as much as I did in this episode. And uh, I will see you soon. You're listening to the Big Band and Swing Podcast. Thank you so much for listening to the Big Band and Swing Podcast. And hey, don't forget to subscribe. This podcast is brought to you by SwingCityRadio.com. Check out Swing City Radio playing your big band and swing music favorites from the 1930s, 40s, and today. This is Ronaldo signing off. See you next time and have a great day, everybody.